I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey guys, welcome back to the Play Like a Girl podcast, one of the shows for SB Nation's Ohio State site, Land Grant Holy Land. We are two girls talking about sports because our opinion counts too. I'm your host, Meredith Hine, and I'm thrilled to be joined today by my co-host, Megan Hussline. Hey, Meredith. I'm so happy to be here. I feel like a lot has happened in the past week in the sports world, so I'm excited to talk about it with you. Yeah, we certainly have a lot to get into today, so let's jump in with some of the greatest moments that come just every four or in this case, five years. We are officially a week into the Olympics now. Uh, Megan, what has been the highlight for you? So far, my favorite thing to watch has been Lydia Jacoby winning gold um, and swimming. Like A 17-year-old winning gold, that's just unfathomable to me. She literally just graduated high school. Now she's out here in Tokyo winning gold. So that was awesome to see. I have to second that, especially the moment when she won and they panned over to Seward, Alaska and the high school gymnasium and literally the entire town turning out to cheer her on and be so, so excited for her. Um, is it she's the first Olympic gold summer Olympic gold medalist from Alaska, correct? Or um, just Olympic swimmer? I'm not totally sure about that, but. Either way, from Alaska, I know they only have one Olympic-sized pool in the entire state. So whichever one, it's still super impressive. Yeah, um, obviously thrilled for her. Also thrilled to be able to see Lily King on the podium with her went taking the bronze medal uh, in the same race, uh, which was also very cool to see. Yeah, I know she was favored to win that race. And even though she took home bronze, she was still super excited for her teammates. So that was awesome to see as well. Yeah, it's cool to see something of the passing of the torch from one Olympic great to obviously she's 17. She's going to be around (laughs) for a minute. Right, for sure. Uh, staying in the pool, uh, last night, we also had Katie Ledecky winning the first 1500 meter Olympic freestyle uh, swim, which was very cool to see as well. Um, and also cool to see her teammate joining the podium once again with two female Olympic swimmers from the U S taking the podium in two separate events. Yeah. And it was awesome to finally see Ledecky get her first gold in the games, you know, I wouldn't say she was struggling because she was still meddling in her events. I mean, she actually took fifth in one of her events, but she returned a true Katie Ledecky form yesterday, winning by a few seconds, just ahead of everyone. So that was awesome to see. Yeah, it, it felt a little bit rough because she kept getting beat out by uh, the Australian, mm-hmm. uh, Arian Titmus, Arian Titmus, Arian. Close enough. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Who's obviously uh, this outstanding story. Uh, Her coach has been very fun to watch as well during the Olympic coverage. 
Um, but, uh, you know, she took what has, what I don't want to say traditionally, but what in the last Olympics were Ledecky's kind of token events. Um, and obviously Ledecky was finishing behind her. So to your point, very cool to see her finally take the cake in the 1500. Um, and I also feel like even more impressive, the 1500 is sort of this marathon swim already. And she had to do it at the end of several marathon days of qualifications and semifinals and other races, uh, which I just think makes it all the more impressive. Right. And I believe this was the first time the 1500 was in the games. So I'm pretty sure she took home the first ever gold medal in the 1500 which is awesome you are correct uh very very cool um uh, any other news from the pool before we move on to skateboarding uh no let's get right into it this is an awesome story yeah um we had two 13 year olds win the first ever olympic gold medals in skateboarding because skateboarding was just added as an olympic sport this year yeah, so actually half of the skaters in the finals lineup were under 18, which I guess can be expected because skateboarding is a younger sport. But still, in the very first Olympic Games that skateboarding's in to have half of them under 18, that's just crazy. So Japan's, I'm going to butcher these names, I'm sorry, Momonji Nishia took home gold, and then Reyesa Leal from Brazil, also 13, took home silver. And it was just so wholesome to see because they were both so happy for each other and they're hugging each other and saying congratulations after the race. So it was just really great to see two 13-year-olds taking home gold and silver. That's so neat. And very cool to see like these young perform not performers, these young athletes be able to come out in this brand new Olympic sport and demonstrate the level of athleticism that it takes uh, to achieve that. Um, although I'm sure that if Tony Hawk was competing he might win the senior Olympics. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but, uh, just to point a point on the sportsmanship aspect. I don't know if I'm just noticing it more this year or if it's something to do with the games being delayed. Uh, but the level of sportsmanship displayed, I've seen it in the pool. I saw it at the end of the triathlon. You see it with the skateboarding. Um, but athletes from different countries certainly coming together and, uh, really, you know, being genuine and congratulatory toward one another um, has been a very positive aspect of the games. We even saw it uh, last night with coverage of the U.S. women's gymnastics team after they did lose with the whole U.S. team going over and congratulating the Russian Olympic Committee. Yeah, it is really nice to see because I know if I just had a shot at winning gold at the Olympics and I lost, I probably wouldn't be smiling and laughing and congratulating the other team. So, I think maybe it's just post-pandemic. Um, they're just happy to be there and happy to see other athletes and just glad for a chance to be at the Olympics. So it is a really great thing to see. Yeah, um, certainly thrilling. And even, uh, you know, when Lydia Jacoby won her gold medal, the first person to congratulate her was uh, the swimmer in the lane next to her that was not Lily King, uh, mm -hmm. who gave her a big, big hug. Um which was like, just very heartwarming. Um, in other very heartwarming news, uh, the U.S. took home their first gold medals in two different sports, in fencing and in taekwondo. 
for the U.S. women. Uh, Taekwondo, once again, added as an Olympic sport this year. Um, fencing been around for a very long time, but something that the U.S. hasn't really been super competitive in previously. Yeah, so Lee Kiefer won the third gold medal for the U.S. in the shoes games and actually the third fencing gold ever in our country's history. Uh, she's just been a champ her whole life. She was the four-time NCAA champ at Notre Dame, and she's now actually a medical student at the University of Kentucky, so she's great in her sport and academically. And then 18-year-old Anastasia Zolotic won the United States' first gold medal in women's taekwondo ever and the third gold all time. So get it, these women are getting it done, and especially Anastasia Zolotic. She's only 18, and she brought home our first gold medal ever. So kudos to her, doing a great job. Yep, and point of clarification, uh, taekwondo has been in the Olympics since 2000, so apologies for stating this was the first Olympics. Um, there's a lot more to get into with the Olympics. Megan, where are we at with the U.S. women's national team after their stutter step in their opening game against Sweden? Yeah, so we actually bounced back with a 6-1 win right after that. So that was typical U.S. women's national team fashion. But then we actually just played Australia and we had a 0-0 draw. So Alex Morgan scored, but it was called back. But we did get to advance to the next stage, so we will get to be able to play for a medal. But I don't know. Something just seems off this year. I thought we were back after the 6-1 win, but then after the draw with Australia, I just, I don't know. It seems different. I know they're working hard, but I'm not sure if they can get it done this year. Yeah. And... You know, it's interesting. Obviously, the World Cup is the premier event for soccer. Is it just that the Olympics maybe don't draw the same level of commitment, I suppose? Um, I'm not sure, honestly. I just think, I feel like this year's Olympics are kind of just off for everyone. It's probably due in some part, at least, to the pandemic. Um, there's no fans. It was delayed the year. So I really just think this year's Olympics specifically is just a little bit off for everyone. I would agree. And to that end, you know, you, you see it uh, helping out some teams in some countries and some individual athletes who are able to qualify and use the extra year to qualify. Um, but you also see sort of that flip side where athletes who were at their peak and ready for the 2020 games in 2020 uh, you know, either got injured or were no longer able to compete a year later. Um, and so I do wonder if that might be playing into some of what you're talking about. Right. And again, it is a whole year later. So that's a whole year older these athletes will be. You know, you're talking about Carly Lloyd and Megan Rapino. They're obviously still very young, but another year is still another year older. They might get more injured. You know, they're not as much as their peak as they were. So just something to think about in the shoes games. Yeah, certainly off cycle. Um, but speaking of some of those young athletes, uh, we did see the Russian Olympic Committee last night with a 16-year-old uh, who helped anchor the team to get to gold. And that athlete uh, was unable technically to compete uh, or would have been unable to compete last year had the Olympics been held in 2020. Um, and so that takes us right into women's gymnastics. Uh, so certainly a lot of emotions yesterday for the U S team. 
Yeah, I'm very excited to talk about this because, as most of you probably know by now, Simone Biles withdrew um, from the team final to focus on her mental health. And I just want to praise her for this because I think it's absolutely amazing. Because I think what most people don't take into account is that if gymnasts are not 100% mentally there, they could seriously injure themselves. You know, if they're just off for one second during their flip or something, they could literally just break their neck, honestly. So I think it's awesome for her to realize that she was just not there and it would not benefit her or her team to keep competing. So the fact that she withdrew to prioritize her mental health is just something I totally want to congratulate. And it really is a great thing for um, the mental health community. And she's a great representative of it. I am so glad you brought up the specific implication for women's gymnastics because we we should and we do praise Simone Biles and Naomi Osaka and Michael Phelps and all of these Olympians who are speaking out on behalf of athletes' mental health within the Olympics. But I, I, I read the story that Simone withdrew from mental health and I was like, okay. And then I saw the stunt and you hear the commentary related to how she just got lost in the air uh, during her vault. And to your point, you're exactly right. If you get lost and you're on a high bar or you're doing any sort of uh, floor exercise or anything, you could easily get very, very injured. And, you know, it's an extreme example, but your mental health does affect your physical health. Um, and so kudos to Simone Biles and kudos to her teammates and the staff there on the gymnastics team for being able to get her withdrawn, get her into a safe space and enable her to support her teammates. Um, who once again did an amazing job yesterday and did achieve a silver medal in women's gymnastics. Right. Like some people are saying that, oh, the U.S. gymnastics team just settled for silver. Like, no, they won a silver medal and with only three girls. Like you have to take that into account as well that Simone pulled out, but those three girls managed to pull away for a silver medal for the U.S. So just awesome for those girls and the whole team. Yeah. Jordan Charles literally had to come off of the bench mm -hmm. for two events that she was not supposed to compete in. Yeah. And two of those girls haven't even begun college yet. Like they're 17 years old in the Olympics, haven't even started college yet. They banded together and got a silver medal. So just great work by them. Yep. Uh, so you know, between Simone, uh, Naomi Osaka, uh, she was eliminated, um, from tennis in the third round. Uh, however, kudos to once again, Simone, Naomi, Michael Phelps, who did a lot of the coverage around Simone, uh, and her statements. Um, so kudos to finally being able to appreciate that athletes have mental health concerns that we do need to acknowledge and kudos to them for prioritizing their long-term mental health, um, over any sort of short-term games. Yes. It's great to see that showing that they're more than just an athlete. They're not just there to provide entertainment or just, you know, be a robot and try and win at everything they can. You know, they are real people too. And they, um, they can have mental struggles as well. So it is really great to see them prioritizing that over even the Olympic games. Definitely. Um, however, speaking of a team that does seem to win at everything they possibly can, uh, women's basketball remains as dominant as we expected them to be and is now on a 50 game Olympic win streak with their win over Nigeria. 
Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm just going to say it now. I bet they win it all. I think they're going to take home the gold medal. They look absolutely amazing out there. I don't think there's anyone that can stop them. However, I don't think the same can be said for the men's basketball team. They have definitely been struggling a little bit, to say the least, to start these games. Yeah, and it's been so surprising. Um, But at the same time, you recognize that basketball is a team sport for a reason. And several members of the team, uh, including Devin Booker, had just been participating in the NBA Finals and joined the team days before the event started. Um, So certainly no time to mesh um, or to be able to practice together uh, for these early rounds. So we can only hope that they do get a little bit more time together to practice, to come together and to be able to improve steadily. Cause what we've seen on the court is not the quality of basketball. I think that we're used to, or that they're used to, um, for their own individual performances. Right. I think they just need some time to practice together. You know, I heard someone from sports center say that it's basically you're taking all these teams leading scores and then you're putting them all on the court at the same time with barely any time to practice and gel. So I think they'll be fine. You know, they just blew out Iran this morning, last night, whatever, which obviously... Timing is so confusing. I don't know. Right? (laughs) I don't actually know when these events are happening. Yeah. (laughs) So I know Iran's probably not the best team, um, but hey, a win's a win. Builds some confidence for them. So hopefully they can use that momentum going forward and... uh, do better in these games. Certainly. Uh, so we could talk about the Olympics all day, uh, but we have to move on to some other groundbreaking news from the sports world, but coincidentally staying on the basketball court. Uh, so stay with us. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back. So heading back around the world, but not in Olympic news, news broke yesterday that former President Barack Obama will begin serving in a strategic partnership role for NBA Africa. Megan, this is so cool. Yeah, this is awesome. You know, NBA Africa is more than just, you know, the Basketball Africa League, um, which had their first season this year, but they also launched several social Uh, justice and social responsibility initiatives, just trying to improve gender equality, you know, just overall livelihoods, girls' education. So I think President Obama is a really great person for this job. And I know that he'll do a great job at it and will definitely help out NBA Africa. Yeah. Um, So I'm just going to read a quote from the release. Uh, President Obama stated, the NBA has always been a great ambassador for the United States, using the game to create deeper connections around the world. And in Africa, basketball has the power to promote opportunity, 
wellness, equality, and empowerment across the continent. Um, I just think this is such an amazing thing, such an incredible thing for President Obama to be doing. Um, and once again, Megan, uh, we've talked about this on the show a lot previously, um, but the way that the NBA has truly been able to lead all other sports leagues, basically, uh, in terms of its social initiatives, in terms of um, forward thinking, gender equality, thinking globally, uh, they're really the gold standard. Yeah, I think basketball is definitely way ahead of the game in the social justice movement when it comes to the four professional sports. Uh, the NBA and the WNBA both really prioritize social justice and will even put it ahead of basketball. So same thing is going to happen with NBA Africa and President Obama. So really looking forward to see what he can do to help them out. Definitely. So moving a little bit closer to home or a lot closer to home in our case, uh, you've probably seen the news of conference realignment with rumors swirling that Oklahoma and Texas might just be moving to the SEC and even more vague rumors that perhaps Ohio State might just follow. I, I, this upsets me so much. I cannot <laughs> stand this. I am not a fan of a super conference. We don't need this at all. You know, the Big 12 is going to be pretty much nothing now with without Oklahoma and Texas. They say this probably won't happen until 2025. I bet it happens sooner than that. I just, I'm not a fan. How about you? I hate everything so much <laughs> about this. I mean, the reality is, it. I just sort of was hoping that these like super conferences have been in the discussion for a long time, right? This is nothing mm -hmm. new, but you would think that with the expansion of the college football playoff, a lot of the things that led to discussions of super conference would have been solved. Um, so the big 12, let's be real, Texas and Oklahoma are mad that they're not getting revenue from their media rights because the Big 12 is less valuable than other conferences when it comes to media rights. Mm -hmm. And they're mad that the Big 12 is left out of playoff spots, right? Well, with the expansion of the playoff, all of a sudden you expand revenue opportunity and you expand literal spots for the Big 12 to always have a guaranteed position in the playoff. So it's like, why didn't you just wait and see how it played out. But no, now Texas and Oklahoma have not renewed their Big 12 media rights. Uh, so once again, a change that's effective in 2025. But now the Big 12 is dead in the water. So what does that mean for other conferences? Right. And I, I agree with what you said um, about the expanded playoff. I think that should definitely discourage them from breaking away from the conference. But honestly, it's kind of their own fault. Like, Texas, you just got to be better. In Oklahoma, <laughs> every time you've made the playoffs, you've lost. I believe they're 0-4 in the playoffs. So I don't yeah, think going not. to the SEC is going to help because that's an even harder conference. So <laughs> they'll probably do even worse in the regular season. And then they definitely won't make the playoffs. So I just I don't think this is a smart move for anyone. I'm not a fan of it. Hopefully it doesn't happen. It probably will. But if Ohio State moves, um, I just... I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't think this, they will. Yeah, this could backfire spectacularly. Um, it's just really ridiculous. Texas is already losing out on recruits. Texas has been losing out on recruits for years to Texas A&M and to Ohio State. And so it's like you're just going to go try to compete more directly head to head <laughs> with more teams who could go to different teams in your own conference. Right. Like, mm -hmm. 
Good move, Texas. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so moving over to the NFL, we are, of course, running into preseason drama as you do in any season, but it's hardly the usual drama because, of course, everything is bananas this year. Uh, so first up, we have a tale of two vaccination statuses. Uh, with the Las Vegas Raiders achieving a nearly 100% vaccination rate among their players, while the Washington football team is lagging far behind with about a 50% rate, much to the chagrin of head coach Ron Rivera. Yeah, this is just not good for the Washington football team because, as most of you probably know, Ron Rivera did have cancer this past year and battled through it all season and never missed a game for his team. So I don't know why they just can't get vaccinated for their head coach and just for the season in general. I mean, the penalties and the way that players are treated for being vaccinated versus being unvaccinated, like, come on, just get the vaccine so you can just live a normal season, hang out with everyone and not risk having to forfeit your game because you're unvaccinated. Yeah. And we can't, we certainly can't get into vaccine hesitancy on this show. However, What we can say is that when folks like Sam Darnold make public statements about how they don't trust the vaccine and they need to see more research into its efficacy, they are, you know, it's Sam Darnold. He's he's Sam Darnold. But like they are still role models for a lot of youth in America. And when you have folks like Sam Darnold saying, like, I'm not getting the vaccine because I don't trust it. Like, what does that say for other young people who may not have gotten the vaccine and who may not be, you know, willing to do the research themselves. They're just going to say Sam Darnold didn't get it, so I don't have to get it. Right. His um, opinion definitely has an influence on others, and that could really impact, like, other people's lives. You know, if some kids decide not to get the vaccine when they go to school, maybe some parents won't get it. Just their words definitely have a lot of influence on people, so... Just be cautious of what they say, I guess, in the limelight. Yeah, at least we've got Olivia Rodrigo. Anyway, <laughs> uh, also in the NFL, uh, in drama that has certainly been unfolding for a long time, Aaron Rodgers showed up to Packers training camp this week. So, Megan, I have to ask, do you think this is Rodgers' last dance? And also, what were your thoughts on the man bun and the Hamid shirt? <laughs> I think he looked amazing walking into training camp. It was just classic Aaron Rodgers, not caring what anyone else thinks. But I definitely believe this is his last dance. I, for one, was shocked when I heard the news that he was returning to the Packers. But him and Devontae Adams are definitely in this together. And uh, he's going to give it one last run. You know, he turned down the two-year deal. So I definitely believe this will be his last season in Green Bay. I don't know how it's going to go. I feel like this might cause some drama during the season. Who knows if the team will be able to stay focused? Who knows if the locker room will still put their trust in him and believe in him? But either way, let's see if he can hoist the Lombardi one last time after this season. I think they are certainly equipped to do so when Rodgers is at the helm. Um, But we have a long time before the Super Bowl, so we shall see. Um, All right. That is all we have for today. Before we wrap up the show, Megan, shall we do our shout outs? Yes. So I'm just going to give a shout out to my girl, Simone Biles, again, you know, just prioritizing her mental health. I'm just still so proud of her and for putting that ahead of even an Olympic gold medal and focusing on that 
and keeping herself healthy and putting that in front of a win or anything else. So kudos to Simone. Love her. So proud of her. Amazing. Um, I'm going to do a very close to home shout out because she's sitting right next to me. My dog, Ruthie, uh, had her eighth adoption day yesterday. Um, so we've officially had Ruthie for eight years. So I'm just going to shout out her for being the most wonderful <laughs> companion and best friend. And I love her so much. And adopt, don't shop. Nice message. Uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> all we have for today. As a reminder, you can follow Megan at Megan Hustline, me at Meredith Hine and the site at Landgrant33. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks again for listening to Play Like a Girl. And as always, go Bucks.